All right, are you guys ready for somewhere between 10 and 50 minutes of Scripture sprinkled with two or three awkward, easily misunderstood jokes? Because that's what you're about to get. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is something that has been sort of brewing in me for about a year, uh, which is good because I need a year to come up with one of these. I don't really know how you do this every week. It's... Uh, it's quite astounding. Um, but the reason this has been brewing in me for a year is because um, in the last couple of years, my wife and I, Amanda, have started to have more regular conversations with people that go kind of like this. They call us and say, I'd like, I'd like to sit down and talk. It usually happens on our couch, and we sit down and talk on like a Wednesday night, and a lot of times it's about uh, issues in their life and um, you know things that are going on that they're having trouble navigating. And one common thing that I've noticed in almost all of these conversations is that I think people have trouble figuring out how to hear and interpret the voice of God. And we've been going through the Bible. We've been going through the entire Bible in how long? Five months, which is not easy or really possible to go through all of it. But I think Brian's done a good job of giving us a broad overview. Uh, and so I just want to kind of make the point that the reason we're doing that is because the Bible is one of the primary ways that we are able to hear God's voice. Uh, and there are other ways. So I'm just going to dive right in. Um, first, I'm going to ask the question, does God speak to us? Everybody, raise your hand if you think God speaks to us. Okay. Um, his word tells us that he speaks to us. Uh, John 1, 1 and 14, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So it's telling us that Jesus is the Word. And then John 2, 1 and 3, 14 and 15 say, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus, who is the word, is telling us that the Lord speaks to us and that we will know his voice. His people will know his voice. So uh, we can also confirm this by our own experience. My, my experience over many years of following Jesus has told me that he speaks to me. It happens over and over again. I can identify specific times in my life where he's spoken to me. I can identify specific times in my day where he's spoken to me. And then I also have uh, the confirmation of people around me. Um, you know, we've got a close group of friends that I just watch all the time. They do things and say things that are obvious that the Lord has been speaking to them and they've been listening. And so I see the evidence in my friends around me. And so... With those three things, I think I can pretty much uh, feel confident that God does speak to us. So if he does speak to us, then why does he speak to us? Um, well, the f one of the first things is he's teaching us who he is. He wants to be known. He wants to build relationships. He is a God of relationships. Um, he desires relationships, and he wants us to know who he is. He could have remained far away. He could have set the world on its axis, started it spinning, and just sort of backed off way back into wherever he is and just watched what happened. He could have done that, but instead he decided to be the God that comes close. And he, so he comes close to us, um, both as humanity and as people, individuals, he comes close to us. 
Um, he's teaching us who we are. He is the only one who knows us. So um, high school students, college students, it feels like your parents know you, right? They kind of know you. Um, spouses, it feels like your spouse knows you, right? They probably know you pretty good, but they don't really, really know you. The fact is, I think, my opinion, by the way, this is all my opinions, most of it, so. Um, if I say the fact is, it really means this is my opinion. But I think that no human on earth really knows us. And I think the reason for that is because God knows us. He knows us, he knows us inside and out. He knows everything about us. He knows every thought we have. He knows everything that's in our heart. He is the only one that has true and complete intimacy with us. Um, and whether we, whether we regard that or not, whether we acknowledge it, whether we feel that intimacy with him, he has it with us all the time. So he is a God who is teaching us who we are. He is teaching us how to live. He's giving us good decision-making. He's uh, shaping our behaviors. He's showing us where safety lies. Everything he speaks to us is showing us where the circle of safety is. Like we, we, we work with teenagers. Amanda and I work with, with teenagers, high school students, some college students a lot. And a lot of the issues that are in their lives are really like they come down to, you are in the circle of safety when you are following God and listen to his voice. When you stop doing that, you step out of the circle of safety. So God is teaching us how to live. He is showing us how to stay in the circle of safety. The circle of safety does not always feel safe. Sometimes you are in a foreign country where the, the end result might be death. But you can rest assured that if you are listening to his voice and you are doing what he tells you to do, that you are in the circle of safety. So he is teaching us how to live. He's teaching us how to love. Um, he wants us to love each other. He wants us to love. He wants believers to love people that are not believers and to just like feel urgency about them coming to know the Lord. He wants us to disciple other believers if we are able. Um, and we should be able after a certain amount of time. We should, everybody should, you know, when they're new in the faith, it might not be a good idea to right away disciple people, but pretty soon after that, you should start looking for somebody to pour into and you should be having somebody pour into you and you should be seeking that out. So, Amanda and I are very blessed because we have that. We have people that are kind of at the same place in life as us, um, and they are pouring into us. We have people that we are discipling, and we have people that are discipling us. And sometimes that's just like a, hey, I need to be discipled for a few minutes here. You know, it takes all different shapes. So he's teaching us how to love each other. So I think that is, that's the answer to does he speak to us, and if he does, why? So... Um, I'm going to try to give you some practical advice. And this is what usually comes out when we have these conversations with people where we sit down on our couch. It usually always comes around to this because they're trying to make decisions and they need some sort of roadmap. They need a roadmap. And our goal when we disciple people, I don't know about Amanda, I don't want to speak for her, but my goal when I, when I disciple people is to give them the tools they need to be able to find their way on their own. Not that I want them to have to, but I want them to be able to. And the only roadmap that I know of is to follow, follow God's voice and to listen to it and to, and to do what he says. So I'm going to try to give you what I think um, is a list of practical ways you can hear God's voice. And I think these are probably the primary ways that day to day we can hear God's voice. This is not an exhaustive list. God is an infinite God. He's all powerful. He could communicate with us in any way he wants. Um, but I think he chooses these four ways an awful lot. So the first one is God speaks to us through creation about his ways, his will, and his character. So we look at nature, we see what he is like. And I think that was part of the design of nature. 
part of the design of the universe, part of the design of the world we live in, part of the design of our hearts is for us to look and be able to see what God is like from that, to draw conclusions. Um, our universe seems unsearchable, right? Well, we know it's a finite universe, so it's, in fact, not unsearchable. It may be impossible for us to search it in the lifetime of whatever time we have here, but it is not unsearchable. Um, but it seems that way. Once we found a way to get off Earth, once we went into space, we started going farther and farther. We want to get to other planets. Well, that's going to take a really long time to figure out where the end of that is, and we might not see, ever see the end of it. But then here on Earth, we've, we're getting smaller too. You know, like it was only, I think like 70 years ago that somebody looked at, an, at the, the, the smallest particle we knew of, which was an atom, and said, oh, there's something smaller here. Like this thing is made up. This is an atom, by the way. I have an atom between my fingers right now. <laughs> This thing is made up of smaller things still. So they started looking, they started trying to figure out how to look at those smaller things. When they start, started to look at those smaller things, they started to figure out that those smaller things were made up of even smaller things. And so they started looking at those smaller things. And, and now I don't even know how far they are. I'm no you know, subatomic research expert, but I know that they've gone like at least five levels deep on this new finding of a, uh, so much that they, they call the search for this basic building block of life, the most uh, tiniest particle you can get to and it not be made up of smaller particles, the God particle. Um, I personally believe they will never find that. I believe they will always find something smaller because I believe that in the same way that the universe is large and we will probably never get to the end of it, the universe is also small and we will probably never get to the end of it. And so in this way, it gives us the, it gives the universe the appearance of being unsearchable. We cannot possibly search to the ends of it in either direction. And so that's how God is. Um, Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. So nature shows us what God is like and his insearchability and a lot of other stuff. It also shows us the difference between creation and recreation. Um, does everybody know what the Mona Lisa is? It's the most famous painting ever painted. Uh, I think we have a picture. Keith, do we have a picture? So uh, just in case you, you guys have not seen the Mona Lisa, I thought I'd bring a picture. The Mona Lisa is the most viewed painting ever created by most estimates. More people have seen it, more people have studied it, more people have talked about it, more people have parodied, parodied, parodied it than any other piece of art that has ever been created in the history of humanity. Um, so. Just as a side note, raise your hand if you know somebody that you consider creative. Okay, everybody put your hands down. You don't know anybody that's creative. <laughs> nobody, is, nobody is creative. No human being that you know is creative. It is not, in my opinion, once again, a quality that human beings can possess because there is one creator. God's ability to create the universe, to create everything we see, to create us, it gives him the sole claim on the title of creator. And so anything that we see as creativity in our world by other people is in fact recreativity. When da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa, he did not create anything. He looked at something that God had created, which by the way is amazing. She's got a little smile in the corner of her mouth. That's what everybody's focused on with the Mona Lisa. Tiny little smile and it conveys information. So first of all, the muscles required in your face to smile 
That's astounding. It's an astounding feat that we can make facial expressions, and so many of them. It's a way more astounding feat that those facial expressions can convey information to each other about a variety of things, how we're feeling, what we're thinking sometimes. That's amazing. That is the creative act. And so God is the only creator. He's the only one that can claim that title. Um, and we know that we don't create anything because Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 11 tells us, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. So, no creative people here. People that sing on stage, you probably think of them as creative. None of us are creative. We're all singing other people's songs. Those songs were written by people who are just building on the shoulders of giants, and those giants were building on the shoulders of giants. So, no creativity. Um, only God can claim that. God speaks to us um, with the still small voice of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and directly, he speaks directly into our hearts and minds. I am not going to pretend that I can explain this, okay? Uh, John 14, 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he is telling us that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us. So God is telling us, he is going to speak to us through his Holy Spirit, which is him, and he is going to teach us how to live. He's going to teach us all sorts of things. And he's going to teach us how to reach other people, which is great because I have no idea how to do that either. Um, it's impossible to describe, to describe what it feels like when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It's impossible. Uh, nobody can tell you, but you know it when it happens. You know it when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And I'm going to tell you later how to make sure you know. Um, the experiences of this are very diverse. Everybody has a different story. Every, every believer in this room has a different story of the Holy Spirit speaking to them, them hearing the still, small voice. And it is, it, they call it a still, small voice because it is peaceful and it is small. And you have to be listening very closely. Uh, and you will miss it if you're not. Uh, it's, this is very easy to confuse with other things that are going on in your mind and your heart. Okay? And we are prone to do so. Um, God speaks to us through the wise counsel of believers. These are believers who love us. They, want, they have our best interest at heart. They want us to do well. They want us to seek God. They want us to be in the circle of safety. And so believers are to speak to other believers and try to guide them. And so that is one way that God speaks to us. He speaks through the people around us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So that means the following things, I think. God leverages the ability of others to discern his voice, especially when we are unable to. Um, when other believers speak to us, I hope it is coming from a place of them being able to hear God's voice. And the reason usually that we need them to speak to us is because we are currently unable to hear it. We are currently unable to interpret it. God leverages others' knowledge of the word to discern his will and his voice when we are unable to. Other people around me, Brian and Sarah, Sarah and Andrew, people that we... Um, 
are kind of doing the same things in life with. We talk about it a lot. We talk about what's going on in our lives. We talk about how hard it is. We talk about how much fun it is. And I think all of the guidance that I get from any of those people is based in their knowledge of the Word. And really, all of when we talk to people, when Amanda and I talk to people about what's going on in their lives and we try to help them navigate these issues, I, I hope that everything we say is coming from the Word. Everything we say is coming from us storing the Word in our hearts and having it there ready for the moment when, it, when the opportunity arises, when it's needed. And that does happen all the time. You know, people say, well, I've got this going on in my life. And we say, okay, well, here is a verse to address that. Now, Amanda's way better at this than I am. She's got way more of the Word stored in her heart than I do. And I'm very thankful for that. So, um, so these conversations, they usually go like that. And there is usually a verse right there, ready to go. And if not, we can find one. We have iPads, you know. It's a, it's a, magical, it's a magical time to live on planet Earth because you no longer have to use an index in a paper Bible. You can if you want to. I'm not judging anybody. <laughs> but you do have a search function. And so uh, it's pretty easy to find something in the Word to guide people. And we try to use that as our guidepost when we are guiding people because we need a roadmap too. We cannot just give advice we can't give guidance that is just spun out of our heads because we just don't possess what it takes to do that. Um, God leverages our trust in people who love us. Everybody's got somebody that loves them in this room, I hope. Think about that person. Think about those, that group of people. Do you trust them? Do you always trust God? Sometimes it's hard to trust God. It's really hard because he asks us to do crazy, uncomfortable, terrible things sometimes, you know that just you do not want to do. It's, it's, easy, it's easy to not trust him, especially in those times. But you trust the people around you that love you. And so I think God, he knows that it's hard for you to trust him, and he wants to get to that place, so he leverages the trust that you have in others, especially believers, to help you get to the place where you can trust him. Um, God gives words to others. The thing we were just talking about, where the Holy Spirit teaches us, in these conversations that we have with our friends that we're trying to help through these situations in their lives, I cannot explain where some of these words come from. I say things sometimes, and I'm pretty sure they're right, but I have no idea where they came from. I mean, I do know. I know, like, in my head that, yes, the Holy Spirit has, has spoken through me. I know that the Holy Spirit is teaching me and preparing me to say these things, but they're, it feels just like an out-of-body experience. It's, it feels like not me speaking. Um, and when I, when I finish one of these things and I, and I think, or somebody says, well, that was wise, I think, like, who are you talking about? Like, that, that's not how I feel. That is not, when I apply these ideas that I've just communicated to these people in my own life, it goes terribly. Like, I am not able to apply the wisdom that I'm able to give to other people in my own life. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's pretty standard human, part of the human condition. Um, so counseling is an out-of-body experience because there's another body in us that is, that is doing this. Um, God speaks to us directly through his word. I tried to come up with a verse that, uh, that said this, but, you know, this kind of comes down to the fact that God's voice and his thoughts and his feelings are coming from his very own lips. You really have to make a decision if you believe that or not. Is this book true? Like, I know that's kind of an uncomfortable thing to ponder, but we all have to ponder it over and over. Over and over, we have to ask ourselves, is this book true? Because 
you know, we often go back to the book for proof that the book is true. Well, there's no way around that, I don't think, you know. There's, there's outside sources. There's all sorts of things that Bible scholars that are not me are able to do. I just keep coming back to the fact that I have to trust this book or not. Take it or leave it. It is God's word. It is God himself, or it's not. And if it is, you can trust it. If it is, he's going to speak to us through it. It's a book written by him, about him, for us, and it is, in fact, him. It is him. It contains instructions for how to live life safely and productively. It is a detailed engineering blueprint to reveal the inner workings of human beings. You know how humans are just, like, completely confounding? You can't understand what is going on inside people. Well, I find that the more time that goes by with me deciding to believe that this book is true and that it is Jesus and that he is speaking to me through it, the more I hunger for it, the more I study it, the more I understand people. This book is a blueprint for people. It tells us how we work. It tells us how our friends work. It explains us. You just got to look. You gotta, and you got to be open to the fact that you have to realize that all the crap that's in there that you don't like is your stuff. And everybody else has it too. We are all alike, including ourselves. And the book tells us how to deal with that. It tells us what, what we are like. It tells us what to do about it. It's an instruction book for life, and it is an explanation of the confusing state we find ourselves in. So, um, hearing God's voice is hard, right? Do you guys ever feel like you go through dry periods? I, I, don't, I don't hear that word a lot, that phrase a lot anymore in the church, but like dry periods. I'm in the desert right now. You used to hear that a lot in the 90s. If you go to a Promise Keepers conference, you'd hear... <laughs> I'm in, a, I'm in the desert right now. You don't hear that people say that a lot anymore. Um, I personally think that that's a myth. I don't know that that's really a thing that happens. I think it's a thing that we feel is happening. I think it's a thing that we, um, you know, it may be, there may be times when, when God speaks more softly than others, when he's quieter than others. There may be times when he doesn't speak to us in the way that we prefer he doesn't speak to us through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit as much or at all. But at no time is the Bible not available to you. Um, I, I think that at no time is it not available to you to ask the Holy Spirit to, to reveal what the Bible means to you. I think at any time you can hear God's voice. You open up your Bible, and if you're not hearing it, you just keep staring at it. Just keep staring at it and staring at it. And you'll hear God's voice because he has, he has made it clear that he is going to speak to us through that book. Um, I wanted to give you guys some examples of what I'm talking about here. So I looked at Bob Neubauer's Instagram account. And I don't know if any of you guys follow Bob on Instagram. But um, I didn't put the picture up, but I'm going to explain what it is to you. It is a picture of the sunset, I'm guessing, at one of our metro parks here in Dayton, where he is usually at a, at least one day a week, early in the morning, much, much earlier than I would get up to, to go anywhere near nature. Um, and he posts this, he posts this picture of, this, of the sunrise. It's got clouds in it. If you, if you see it in color, the, everything's like lit up very brightly in all different colors, and there's some hills, and the sun is peeking over the, the rise, and... His post says, um, 
Great sunrise on my walk this morning. The clouds reminded me of reading through James. We so often focus on the rain clouds and forget the sun is still there waiting for the right time to peek through. Just like the rain and sun bring growth to our garden, God will grow us through our trials. And then he quotes James 1, 2, and 3. 1, 2 through 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So I was looking for an example that I could cite of this happening. This, these four things that I, these four ways that God speaks to us. Um, and I saw Bob's Instagram post and I thought, well, there's two of them at least. And so I called Bob and I asked him if, if A, I could talk about his Instagram post when I spoke at the greenhouse. I don't know what the copyright issues are on that. Um, or if he might want to talk about it sometime. But uh, I said, can you please tell me, he was glad to oblige, by the way. I said, can you please tell me how this post happened? Like, how, how did this come to be? How did this come to be on the internet forever? And he said, well, my house church was teaching through James. Um, we were, I have been reading James. I have been studying it. He's doing a lot of the teaching. And so they get to James 1, and he's got this section, and God is, started, God is starting to reveal to him uh, the meaning of James 1, 2, and 3, that essentially we are to rejoice in our trials and that God will use them to grow us in his time, in his own time. Um, and he said he was praying about that, and I asked him, by the way, if he had to look up the verse when he saw this, sun, this sunrise. He said he did not. The reason is because that that verse was stored in his heart. It was lying dormant. It was waiting for the moment when God wanted to open it up to him. And so he, see, he sees this sunrise. He's praying for an example also, by the way, to share with his house church. He sees this sunrise, and he's, he hears the voice of the Holy Spirit say, that's it. That's your example. And so he looks at this sunrise, and he figures out that just like the, the clouds that cover up the sun, eventually they're going to part. But it happens in God's time, and when they do, we see the sunrise. We don't see the rain clouds anymore. So God spoke to him with the Holy Spirit. Then he goes to his house church. He teaches this. The house church members, they get to hear from God. They hear God's word. They hear, uh, they hear Bob's experience in nature where God reveals himself all the time. They hear um, about the Holy Spirit telling him, this is the thing I want you to convey to my people, that this sunrise means the same thing that James 1, 2, and 3 mean. And so... Bob stores that away in his mind. He talks to his house church. Then, while they're talking, the house church talks back to Bob. They tell him things that they're seeing about this first. They're telling him their insights. The Holy Spirit is speaking to them. And through this process, Bob is sharpened. The house church is sharpened. The Lord gets to speak to a variety of people through one sunrise because Bob was listening. So, the reason I use this example and didn't, I, I stopped looking for examples in my own life, of which there are many, is because usually I think that of these four ways that God speaks to you, through creation, through his word, through other believers, and what was the fourth one? Anybody want to remind me what the fourth one? Holy Spirit. Still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Usually I think when, we, when God teaches us something, um, I think two or three of those maybe. And that's okay. Um, but Bob's example was all four. So I felt like it was, it, was a pretty good, it was a pretty good display of how God does this. Um, so God stores the word in Bob's heart. That's the most important part here, I think. 
if Bob doesn't have that verse stored away in his heart, then at the right time, it can't be brought out and the meaning cannot be opened up to him. So here's what I want to leave you with. Um, How can you trust that God is speaking to you? Well, if you go and look in the Bible, say you've got a situation in your life and it's difficult to navigate, and so you go and look in the Bible and you see a verse that speaks directly to you, well, I don't think you can really trust that because we are constantly being bombarded by voices. We have our own voice, our own inner voice, what you are telling yourself, which is probably the most selfish one. We have the voices of others who don't know what God is saying. We have the voice of Satan. Spiritual warfare is, re- is real. He is, he is speaking to the world. He is trying to influence it at all times. And then we have, uh, you know, the voice of, of people who are counseling us but really have no business doing so because they are not counseling us based on what God is saying. And so we listen to all these voices. It's easy to get confused. So how do you avoid this? Well, you have to use multiple sources. Just like in journalism, when somebody writes a news story, they can't go and find one source that backs up what they're saying. They can, but it's not trustworthy. They have to find two or three sources so that they can corroborate the sources against one another. And in that, we can have more trust that what they are writing is true. This works the same way. You have to corroborate when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. When you know, when you just know what he's saying to you is what you think it is. You have to corroborate that against the word. You have to say, does the word back up what I think I'm hearing? When other people tell you things, I think you're supposed to do this. Or here's the the worst one. I hate this one. God told me you're supposed to do this. I said it once when I was young. I'll never say it again. I I still feel stupid for saying that. Um, So you have to corroborate these sources against one another. And... I think two is okay, three is good, four is great. And, you know, really, I think you should have no problem finding four. I think if you surround yourself with people you trust, that you know are mature believers, that you know are hearing the voice of the Lord, if you stay in the Word, if you are in it all the time, if you are hungry for it, if you're studying it, if you choose that over other things in your life, which, by the way, I'm terrible at, but if you choose that over other things in your life, and if you stop and you're quiet and you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Stop talking for a minute and listen to his voice. And if you take time, at least if you hate nature like I do, I love buildings, I love cities, okay? I don't really love nature. I don't really want to go out there very often. But I do love to think about the nature of the universe. I do love to find what God is trying to teach me through the idea that we can't find the smallest subatomic particle. I love stuff like that. So you have to look at creation, and you have to try to figure out what God is telling us from it, and you have to back it up against all the other sources. So that's what I want to leave you with today. That's it. Four ways, primarily, that I think God speaks to us on a day-to-day basis. Through his creation, through his word, through the voices of other believers that love us and want our best interest, and through the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't use one. Use four if you can three if you can't get four. Okay? I love you guys. I'll see, I'll do, we'll do this again in a year.